Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Karen Cam Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And if you don't have a copy of my book, you can get a download absolutely free of the first six chapters. Just go to my website, www.karencan.com. Com. And once you're on my mailing list, I'll actually email you the link that you can download the book and give you access to five of my Fast Track Your Healing online classes. Absolutely free compliments from me as a gift to you for being part of my tribe. And I hope you really like those too. We actually have um, different uh, trainings on various topics, muscle testing, emotion code, uh, the body code, uh, law of attraction. So you can watch them at any time you'd like. And today's topic is going to be uh, near and dear to my heart because uh, since I recovered from fibromyalgia, I realized how important diet is. But I got to tell you, when I was in med school, I pretty much reached for whatever was available because if I was on call um, it was 7 o'clock at night, and the cafeteria was closed. I'd be going to the machines trying to figure out something that I could eat because I was starving um, and running to the ER to see the next you know, patient that I had to see. So I got into some uh, so-called bad habits, and most of you would be probably shocked to learn that when I was a professor at UCLA that I actually – was uh you know eating some fast food here and there but I thought pretty much I ate fairly healthy you know I was trying to be vegetarian uh I thought that was healthier so I was trying to do more legumes and 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 uh pasta whole wheat pasta but of course I didn't have time to make it myself so I would just buy all this packaged stuff and I was doing you know fruit juices and vitamin waters and um you know these nutrition drinks and all these things I thought were healthy, like, you know, the, the yogurt and, you know, probiotics, the whole bit. And I had no idea that that is so different from what I really needed to eat to get better. And today we have the filmmaker, Damon Gamo, uh, from Australia, actually. And his new film, That Sugar Film, is really cool. I just watched it last week. And my husband is uh, somewhat of a um, sugar uh, enthusiast. <laughs> And, uh, I, you know, I didn't make him watch the movie, but he was so interested because it was so funny and so endearing and just such a fun movie that he did watch it. And he was like, wow, uh, yeah, maybe I need to cut down on my sugar. Um, so we'll tell you a little bit more about exactly what the sugar film is about. But I really wanted to um, uh, thank our guest today for being on the show because the film is so cool. And, in fact, I have a little library in my office for those folks that, for whatever reason, you know, don't want to buy the, you know, the books or films or whatever, can't afford them. So I have a little lending library, and this is definitely going to be a DVD that I will be uh, promoting and lending out to whoever wants to watch it uh, because it's really important information and also it's fun. So Damon, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me, Karen. Ah, 
My pleasure. Now, you talked about, in the beginning of the film, your motivation for why you made this film. So tell us a little bit about you, you know, what's your background, and then why you decided to make a whole film about sugar. <laughs> well, look, um, I guess it's fair to say that I, I really had absolutely no interest in nutrition before I made this film. And in fact, I was probably, um, you know, a male in my late 20s, early 30s. I, it's fair to say I didn't really give a great deal of concern about what I was putting into my body. I loved vanilla Coke. I loved smoking the odd cigarette, eating junk food as often as I could. <laughs> and then, uh, thankfully, as often happens with a man, just in the nick of time, he meets a really good woman. And so I met my wife about seven years ago and, you know, it was one of those moments where as soon as I saw her, I knew that, A, she was going to be the, the woman I'd spend my life with. But Aww. secondly, that she sort of radiated this sort of health uh, and well-being and I knew that uh, cigarettes and coke weren't going to cut it anymore. And I think as many men will attest to, what happens with a man early on in a relationship is he really he pretends to, to be interested in things that he really doesn't care that much about. And <laughs> for me, that was uh, healthy eating. So... I was, you know, trying her kale and cucumber smoothies and her organic avocado on weird sounding breads and all these kind of things in a bid to impress her. And lo and behold, I actually started feeling much better. I lost some weight, my skin changed, my eyes cleared up. And most importantly, my mood started to even out. And I'd been a real sweet tooth. I'd, you know, just like I said before, I would have a chocolate bar every afternoon. I'd drink a Coke a day. So I was quite shocked at the benefits of sort of cutting that stuff out, but I really didn't think much about it at all. And then um, I won a sort of short film competition as a director here in Australia, and I was approached by a, a large production company, and they said, look, you want to make a, a feature film? And at the time, there was a bit of press starting to emerge about four years ago. There was the first sort of signs that there was some debate going on around sugar and the benefits of it, or whether it was deleterious for our health. And you know, some people were using words like toxic and poisonous and other people were saying it was essential for energy. So mm. I was just as confused as anybody else. Uh, we had a baby on the way. So I thought, well, the only way to actually find out some truth would be to start eating the sugar again. But again, get a, a series of experts, medical professionals, um, clinical pathologists, sports scientists to kind of monitor my body and track what happens as I sort of eat this sugar diet again. But I think the big catch uh, with the film, which really stands out for most people, is that uh, I was walking down a, a supermarket aisle and I picked up a can of tomato soup and I just read the ingredients and saw that it had eight teaspoons of sugar in it. And I thought, I don't think many people would understand or, or realize that, that there's that much sugar in a perceived savory sort of meal that you might have. And I then spent the next two hours at the supermarket just reading labels, understanding <laughs> how much sugar was in these foods. And I literally had my mind blown so I, I again that set up the narrative for the film is that I would eat the same amount of teaspoons of sugar that most Australians are eating every day which sadly for us is about 40 teaspoons of sugar um, and other countries around the world aren't much better than that um, but the catch would be that I wouldn't have any soda or chocolate or ice cream or confectionery all the sugar I ate had to be found in these perceived healthy foods that parents would often give their kids thinking they're doing the right thing and these include cereals um, granola bars, sports drinks, vitamin waters, juices, these type of things um, that often have a very, uh, I guess, endearing picture on the front cover of some flowers or a sunset or a lovely farm. And, and it says words like essential vitamins or, you know, full of fiber. And, you know, people kind of believe that marketing and uh, aren't aware that those products have as much, if not more sugar in them than some of the junk foods that we try to avoid. So, that's really how it started. And um, it was very low budget in the beginning. We didn't really know what to expect. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I guess everything changed very, very quickly once my body started to deteriorate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, what's really interesting, uh, you know, at first I thought, oh, he's going to talk about, you know, in that first little bit where you show the candy at the beginning with the colors yep. and how beautiful it is. I mean, me as a healthcare provider, as a person that doesn't eat a lot of sugar because of my own personal health and what I recommend, I literally started my mouth started watering just looking at the color the beautiful yeah. color candy and I thought oh no I hope this isn't about eating candy but then like you said yeah. you know it's really about what people perceive especially here in the U.S. same thing as healthy you know like yeah. you know Gatorade you're an athlete right so you're doing That's Gatorade and power bars and you know low-fat Greek yogurt and low-fat exactly. this and low-fat crackers and whole whole fiber blah 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 and, yeah. uh, and you said about 40 teaspoons. So it, do you know if that's on par with uh, here in the U.S.? Well, look, it's very, you know, I've, yeah, I've just been through America sort of releasing the film. And the most people said there's about around 31 to 32 teaspoons in America. But I look, it's very questionable because even in Australia, it's very hard to get an accurate measurement because it's hidden now in 80 percent of the food supply. So it's very hard to get an accurate measurement. And does that then include fruit juice, which is considered an added sugar by the World Health Organization, which we also included in the film, you know, fruit juice concentrates that you often get added to foods instead of sugar, because people aren't aware that that's also a sugar. They think it's just all it's from fruit, it must be fine. But so there's so many different names for sugar these days that, look, it's very, very hard to get an accurate measurement and it took us a couple of months, actually, to get different sources of data to look at under-reporting in certain areas to get to that 40 teaspoons. And I even found a report that Canadian teenagers are having about 45 teaspoons of sugar. So it's very hard to get a, the, the exact number. So we sort of went for that 35 to 40 mark, but I think it'd be fair to say that most Americans are having that. And I'd, say, I'd dare to say that um, most are having even more than that. Ah, uh, okay. Well, and, and the, you know, when you first start, here you are with this, you know, this bowl of what looks like very healthy cereal, and you put some yogurt in there, and and I was like, this guy's going to starve. <laughs> like, you know, like, cause how many teaspoons of sugar was that just the morning breakfast? Well, that's right. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, that's like a just right sort of healthy cereal, low-fat yogurt and a glass of apple juice, which is, you know, perceived as a healthy breakfast, and that was 20 teaspoons just wow. to start the day. So. Yeah. You know, that, I guess, gives sense for people when they see that scene. You can then understand how we're getting to 40 teaspoons so easily because if you think that's your healthy start of the day and then you have, you know, like you said, a power bar or some Gatorade with your lunch and maybe a small bowl of ice cream to end the day, you can see how easily that is to get to 35 or 40 teaspoons without even realising it. So what we're trying to do with the film is not demonise sugar, not tell people they can never have it. If you want to have a treat every now and again, that's totally fine, but at least understand where sugar's hidden so you really know what the term moderation means because I think people at the moment don't know. And if you want to have your little bit of chocolate or whatnot at the end of the day, that's terrific, but maybe don't have the apple juice and the low-fat yogurt and the granola bar all on the same day because that's what's getting that number up so high. And, you know, as we've seen, our bodies just aren't able to deal with that amount of sugar. And, you know, the World Health Organization now only recently came out and said that for optimal health, people should have no more than about six to nine teaspoons of added sugar a day. So, you know, given that that's one bottle of Gatorade, you know, or even a juice, it's a, that's, a, that's a glass of apple juice, you can see how easy it is for us wow. to be going way over what we're supposed to be having. And so that's added sugar, so that does not include a whole fruit. Like if you ate an apple, they wouldn't count that 
as the Absolutely added sugar? Absolutely not. So, ah. no, there's all, lots of studies to show that the, the, the sugar of the fruit is pre- very protected by the fibre and so it metabolises in a very, very different way in, in your body. And that goes for vegetables as well. But once that sugar is removed and becomes a free sugar or added sugar, and this includes you know, high fructose corn syrup, cane sugar, honey, agave, rice malt syrup, all these things are considered added sugars by the World Health Organization. And they recommend that we're just very careful with it and have no more than six teaspoons of those a day, which is about 25 grams. Uh, okay. So if you could kind of redo the numbers here, how many grams is in a teaspoon? Yeah, so we talk about that in the film. So one teaspoon is four grams. So if you see on the back of a label 20 grams on a juice, for example, you divide that by four and you'll get five teaspoons. So you know that there's five teaspoons in that. And that usually shocks most parents when they see the film because, you know, would would you go and put five teaspoons in in your child's (laughs) cup of tea? Probably not, but you're happy to give them that in a juice box or another drink, you know. And I think when people get their eyes open to that, they realize that, you know, this is not the right way to go. Well, and I remember through pediatrics when I went through that uh, particular um, uh, in in medical school, we had this this term called baby bottle tooth decay, and these were kids that would have bottles of juice um, just stuck in their mouth all day, and would be bathing, you know, their their whole mouth constantly in this uh, acidic solution of of sugary whatever. Um, And you talk about in the film that it takes a while for your mouth to really cleanse the the sugar with saliva. Well, that's right. I mean, we, you know, it's a pretty graphic scene in the film where we go and visit a young boy um, in Kentucky and he's Mm. uh, got a condition there called Mountain Dew Mouth because... Uh, well, the local dentists have coined that term because the kids just sort of spend their whole days just drinking on these these cans of drink, and, and this young boy has about 12 cans a day. But so we spent two days with him as he had to have 25 teeth extracted. But the sad thing about that was that he was probably the oldest child that that dentist teaches. So sorry, treats. So he was 17, but his average age is about five to 12 that he, that wow. he treats in terms of these conditions. And you know, when we showed that film, uh, I showed it to a conference of dentists actually in New Zealand last year, and they said, look, that you know, this is such an important scene because you need to understand this is this doesn't only happen in, in these lower socioeconomic areas. We see this in the cities with parents that are giving their kids juice, thinking they're doing the right thing, and not understanding that this that the way that that sugar reacts, the fructose and the glucose, and the way it attacks the enamel on the teeth is very unique, and it just wears that enamel down very very quickly. So. You know, again, that's why I've just got to get this message out there. Sugar, as we know, has all sorts of consequences internally in the body. It contributes to weight, but as a very, very strong factor, it also affects teeth, and especially children's teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great point and a very dramatic part of the movie. Uh, what I really appreciated, too, of your movie is that you have these kind of emotional ups and downs. You have kind of the silly parts of it, and even the, yeah. the talking heads are like on the bottles of products, which is I thought was great because it made it more interesting, especially for well, yeah. someone who isn't, you know, the, the kind of sit down and watch a documentary. Well, that was the whole point right yeah. from the beginning is, you know, we, we all sat down as a group and I said to the team that, look, we need to get people that have never seen a documentary to watch this. Or how do we get people that would never normally be interested in watching something like this? How do we get them to see it? And obviously that's why we, you know, people like Hugh Jackman help and Stephen Fry. But again, having all these animations, there's 300 special effects in there and a very sort of modern rocking soundtrack. And mm-hmm. that's probably been the best thing about, um, you know, what's happened here in Australia, especially is that, we're now the highest-grossing documentary of all time in Australia. And oh, fantastic! Cinema- Congratulations. 
Yeah, thank you. And, and, and the cinemas have been full of kids, you know, and I get kids writing letters to me and coming up to me on the street. You know, these are eight, nine-year-olds who, you know, their mothers have been nagging them about this kind of stuff for so long and they get it because they got to see and, and understand it. And, and they get that they can still have it every now and again, but just, you know, these kind of Gatorade drinks, like you said, all these sports drinks and sodas that they're having, they, they now understand because they can see how it impacts their mind and their body. And um, look, that's just been so encouraging here. And, you know, we've got a, a full schools program that we've set up that we've had a thousand schools sign up for here so it's just very exciting it feels like people are ready for change at the moment i'm sure you feel the same in america there's a bit of a food revolution going on at the moment it's becoming more accepted about eating clean and being healthy from a holistic point of view and and because of facebook and social media it's just spreading very quickly people are able to share their experiences and bring other people into it and i think um that's why it's you know surpassing sort of government recommendations and guidelines and Maybe old patterns of thinking that we need to break free of. It's happening very quickly because of social media. I think that is really, really important. And, uh, you know, certainly we have some pretty humongous food conglomerates here in the U.S. <laughs> I'm sure you know all their names. And uh, so there's a little bit of a battle uh, going on um, between, you know, the right to know consumers and, and the, the, you know, the watchdog uh, yep. you know, folks. And, and then, of course, the the other, you know, industries where they're quite threatened. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it's it's pretty intense. But I think it's great that documentaries like this are coming out of different countries um, yeah. so that, you know, people just don't get the skewed view of what life is like in America. That's right. And also that, you know, this sugar in particular, is it's a global problem. I mean, the fact that type 2 diabetes is now killing someone every six seconds, you know, worldwide. The fact that, and that, and that is a disease directly related to diet. The fact that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which didn't exist 35 years ago, is now affecting 1 billion people worldwide. And in that time, sugar consumption worldwide has risen 46%. So, you know, there's no doubt that there are a host of factors that contribute to the problems that are going on at the moment. But sugar is a major player, if not the major player. So, that's what we sort of say in the film. As a, as a very first step, at least if we can sort of reduce our sugar consumption, let's then see what happens from there. But it's easy for people to do. It, it, that's the best thing about this is that they can be empowered to learn the knowledge, um, read labels, understand what they're putting into their bodies and what they're giving their kids. They don't need to rely on the government or uh, FDA regulations to tell them that. They can simply work out that one teaspoon of sugar is four grams, read the labels, and then start sort of understanding how much sugar you're actually consuming. Mhm. Well, and I wanted to ask you for you personally, um what was what would you say like your top 3 uh results from eating the 40 teaspoons a day that maybe surprised you or didn't surprise you, but what were the <laughs> top 3 things uh, that really made a difference in your life, positive or negative, most Oh well, god, no. it's it's hard yeah, it's hard to even say top 3. I think it's yeah, the worst 3 things that happened to me probably were I mean, obviously, the big shock was that I did uh, a lot of the conjecture around sugar when we started was that, you know, does it have this kind of unique um, pathway of metabolism in our body? And, and a lot of the debate was around this one half of sugar, fructose, which we know is also in high fructose corn syrup. How does that behave in our body? And the speculation was around the fact that it did turn to fat in our liver in, in, in a way that no other food does. And so the fact that that happened to me after just 18 days, you know, and by the end I had full-blown fatty liver disease, you know, which is, wow. again, I was on the verge of cirrhosis, which is normally associated with alcoholics. But this is an, a condition we're seeing more and more 
more prevalent in the Western world now. In fact, in Australia, only 5,000 people have fatty liver disease from alcohol, but five and a half million people have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So this is really a sort of a growing into an absolute epidemic proportion that we need to deal with. And all the speculation, and again, this is what happened to me, once that liver is full of fat, it pumps out that fat into the bloodstream. And that's where you start getting the complications around insulin sensitivity. So for me, I became pre-type 2 diabetic. And also a lot of the fat gathered around the inside on my organs. So there's lots of people out now. Now I think 40% of Americans that are skinny are now metabolically unhealthy, which means that you might not see it from the outside. They might actually look thin. But the fact that this sugar is turning to fat on the inside, that's where it's doing the damage. And that's why we all know that you know everyone's got a story or knows someone of a, of a terrible story of someone who's fighting fit in their late 30s or early 40s who drops dead of a heart attack while they're out jogging and no one would have picked it. That's because all the problems are going on internally. They might not look fat on the outside, but something's going on the inside. And that's a particular unique way that sugar behaves. And I think that was probably a big surprise of the film. And the other one was really that how it affects my moods and my cognition. I think there's um, more and more research starting to pour into that now. There's a very respected medical journal here called The Lancet where they've said that we need to acknowledge that the link between food and mental behaviour is just as powerful and strong as the link between food and physical symptoms. So there's a lot more science going into this area now. There's a term called reactive hyperglycemia, which is estimated to affect half the American population, where you have these kind of refined carbohydrates like sugar and your insulin spikes. It clears that glucose out of your bloodstream very quickly, and then the brain almost panics because it thinks it hasn't got a fuel supply, so it relies releases these chemicals um, that can make you feel nervous and jittery and anxious. And look, that just always makes me think of kids who might be having these perceived healthy breakfasts to start the day. By the time they get to school, they're kind of crashing 50 minutes later and then they're irritable and they can't sit still and learn properly in class. We need to kind of address this because the teachers have to deal with it. Any teacher I've spoken to can attest to that. Um, and we need to start educating them about the right foods to eat that are slow-releasing, that sustainable energy, these healthy fats, these proteins that will actually enable them to learn and sit still and concentrate and be, you know, be the people they need to be and be the leaders of the future that are um, learning and, and being able to make smart decisions and live the best life they can be. Mm, absolutely. And I was one of those that have had reactive hypoglycemia. And um, I would need to bring food with me wherever I went. There was always something in my purse. And my ex-husband can attest to, he's like, feed the woman, please. You know? <laughs> because he's like, oh, no, oh, no, she's getting hungry. Please feed her. Please. No. <laughs> Immediately. Uh, but that's because I was, you know, eating all these, uh, what I thought were healthy carbs. And uh, I was trying to go vegetarian more. So I was doing less protein and fat I mean I didn't mean to I just thought that's you know was supposed to be good for you so I ended up doing a lot more grains and and I was hungry all the time and I ended up crashing my adrenals so I totally went and burnt out and really had to relearn I mean the diet actually came a lot later I'm sad to say but did all this healing work uh, but the diet part came a lot later and now it's really great I mean I have the tools to help my adrenals but but now I can go three meals a day and go wow I am not eating six times a day. This is amazing. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it, Tim? I found that in the film, that once you're eating these refined carbs, you, they're never filling you up because we've had this low-fat message um, pushed on us, but we never feel satiated. So you're always snacking on things. You're always looking for something else, and you just end up eating all this stuff throughout the day. And again, it affects even how much money you spend. And that was the other big shock of the film, really, was that once you sort of start eating these healthy fats again, you can have a really good breakfast that actually might last you two or three hours instead of just a a simple kind of cereal that you'll be hungry again 45 minutes later. So 
there are just so many benefits to eating that way and, and, and hopefully we can start to turn that around. It certainly feels like that's happening and people just starting to understand that what they put into their body, the food they eat, have just has such a fundamental effect on, as you said, not only the way you feel and, and think and, and look, but also the way you perceive the world, how you interact with people. You know, and that's what saddens me is that I think that there's a huge percentage of the population that just have no idea about this stuff and are spending their day in a kind of a haze or feeling a bit grumpy and not mm. realising food could be playing an enormous role in that. Yeah, absolutely. And then thank you for making that point, too. I almost forgot about the whole cost thing because the perception is, and, and I you know, worked in many, many low-income areas as a primary care doctor, um, and the perception is you cannot eat really healthy uh, if you have a low income. So there's all yeah. this, you know, well, here in America we have Sam's Club, so you're buying humongous, you know, you know, multiple rolls of toilet paper as well as, you know, huge yeah. amount of juice boxes and bulk this and bulk that, all this processed food. And it really, I mean, Damon, it looks really cheap if you're looking at, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, 50 cents uh, versus $25 for the cool. local farmer's yep. pastured um, you know, chicken, yeah, uh, it seems like yeah. that'd be really expensive to eat well. And what you're saying, that, that that's not actually true? Well, no, not to that. I mean, look, there's no doubt that we have a crisis in the sense that the cheapest foods are the sugary ones. And, and that's just, I mean, like if you had to start the food system again, the first thing you do is say, right, we need to make the healthier foods the cheapest ones. And if you want to have a treat, then you've got to pay extra for the sugary items because then you get this ripple effect where there's not the, you know, the pressure on the healthcare system. People are sort of uh, feeling wellness and happy. And if they want to have the occasional treat, that's great, but they've got to, they've got to pay for it. Sadly, we've got it completely around the wrong way. And as a result, it's just, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a massive health crisis. So there needs to be government health there in some way to start to turn that around again. And even in Australia, they're floating the idea of a sugar tax at the moment and they've just done a huge mm. survey and, 85% of people said that we would only support the tax if that money that was taken from the sugary foods went directly to subsidise fresh fruits and vegetables to lower socioeconomic areas, to schools, to hospitals, to the people that actually need it. So that's one model that could work. We'll see whether the government want to approve that. But I think it's a really interesting idea because we've got to kind of try and reverse that notion at the moment. But you know, that said, there are ways to get around it and there are ways that, that people can think differently. And we talk about, like, we've just got a new book about to come out that we really go into detail about this, of comparing what it's like to make your own at home to buying something out. And quite often, it actually comes out cheaper. And I know that's very hard for people to get their head around, but it's just about understanding a few tricks, like trying to buy the seasonal produce, because if you buy it seasonally, then you're not paying those extra costs. If you start buying those healthy fats again, you won't need to snack as much because you'll be satiated. But the problem is we've just had it drilled into us that fats are bad and you've got to have a low-fat diet and these fats are evil. But we know that once you include those healthy fats in your diet, once you lower that sugar, then that's the way forward. That's the balance we're supposed to have. You know, We've just got it completely out of whack. So we find on our, our, on our social media pages that people are completely shocked. Once they learn how to shop again, once they learn how to eat, eat properly, to eat real foods as much as they can, then the body knows what to do. It releases the right appetite control hormones, it regulates, it metabolizes in the right way, and you go back to actually sort of sustainable, normal, healthy ways of eating that isn't that expensive. But it's when you're buying all these supplements and shakes and sugary things and whatnot, and you're eating all the time and snacking on this and snacking on it, it all adds up. So we've just got way out of control. We've got way out of whack. We've just got to come back to basics to simplify. And that's really our message. Just don't believe all those late night infomercial gimmicks. Don't try all these million <laughs> shakes. You just have to 
buy real foods as much as you can. Snack on some nuts or a piece of cheese with some fruit. You know, try and just keep it real and your body will know what to do. Mm, yeah, that's a very, very positive message. And just for folks that have not seen the film yet, just if you could share with us uh, how long or short did it take for your body to have those changes with the sugar and how long did it take for your body to go back to so-called normal or healthy? <laughs> well, so just in 60 days of eating these sort of perceived healthy foods, so none of those junk foods I've mentioned, like the candy and the sodas, in 60 days I developed pre-type 2 diabetes. I put four inches of visceral fat around my waist. I had full-blown fatty liver disease. Um, I I had heart disease risks, and I put on 19 pounds overall. So, 19 you know, pounds? 19 pounds, and that oh was gosh. not even eating more calories than before. So really throws up all sorts of discussions about our understanding of what a calorie is and, you know, that calories aren't all the same. Food, The calories in food are very different. Food is information. It's not just calories. Right. So some foods will make you store fat. Some will make you crave. You know, it's just this oversimplified notion that if you just count your calories, you'll be fine. It's just not true. There's just so many other things and other elements to food that react very differently once they go into our body. So that's what happened after the 60 days. And I guess the biggest shock for everyone, and we ended up putting it in the film, it wasn't going to be in the film, was that just uh, two months later, I, I was quite sedentary. I was writing the book. I was editing the film with an editor in a suite nearly 10 hours a day just by going back to my normal diet again. That's predominantly drinking water, eating those healthy fats again, cutting out the sugar and the refined carbohydrates like the bagels and the crackers and the white bread things. By removing all of those things, every one of my symptoms turned around 100%. The fatty liver disease, the pre-type 2 diabetes, the heart disease risk all disappeared and I lost 90% of the weight without doing any exercise, just being sedentary. And that was just by putting the right foods back into my body. So I made that a real sort of take-home message from the film that was never going to be in there. There's a lot more information about that in the book. All the recipes, the things that my wife cooked me to help me through that and the, and the uh, nutritionist that guided us through that. And, you know, it was just a massive shock for me and for everyone because it just shows the power of food and people need to understand that, that, you know, there's such a reliance on medications. I mean, I think 70% of Americans are now on some kind of prescription medication. And this has been drilled into that you eat what you want, that you can exercise and there's always a pill for it. And we need to change that thinking. We need to drill this into our children that this food and what they put in their bodies is so powerful and so fundamental and we need to set them up for a much healthier future. And I'm living proof that it can actually happen. Wow. Yeah, that is fantastic. And the, um, it's so drilled into us that you can, if you eat too much, quote-unquote, too many calories, you can exercise that but off but that's not true you cannot exercise oh. a bad diet <laughs> well that's right you can't outrun a bad diet it's just so true and that's you know again that's been a message that's really pushed by the food industry and with, with good reason because then it says look if you get fat and sick it's not our fault because right. you just didn't count your calories properly it's kind of that's right. It's your fault, clearly. And yet what we know now from the science is that these calories in the food do behave very differently. I mean, the classic one is sugar. I mean, fructose, the way that this sugar turns to fat in our liver. I mean, who knew that? And, and studies now that show that even at Stanford, they just did a study with 175 calories. And they looked at the effect of calories on type 2 diabetes. And they added 150 calories to the diet of most foods and saw there was no change. But if that 150 calories came from one can of soft drink, then it upped the chances of type 2 diabetes by 700%. So people need to understand that it is vital to understand the source of your calories. It's not just about counting them and, and you'll be fine. You need to understand that they also play very different roles in the body. They trigger insulin, which can store your fat or burn your fat. They affect your moods and your cravings. 
it then makes you, you know, cut off your appetite control so you want to eat more. There's so much extra information in our food beyond just calories that it's just an overly simplified sort of dogma that we've always almost ingrained, and we need to really re- rethink that. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and definitely, you know, the film had a, a positive impact on my husband who was kind of looking <laughs> down at his liver, kind of holding it and like, oh, my liver. I want my liver to be happy. Yeah. I, I don't want to have that fat inside my body. You know, he was oh, having like a little bit of a ah, um, and it actually spurred him to uh, to 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 you know kind of do a little bit of lifestyle changing. I mean, he was not drink eating sugar as much as he used to. He used to be the multi candy bar guy, you know, per day. Yep. The you know pint of ice cream every day or every other day, and um, you know now he does have some sugar with his uh, creamer, which uh, I'm just slowly trying to like you know. <laughs> oh, honey, why don't you try something else? So he's yeah. like, I'll get there, I'll get there, give you a chance. Um, yeah, that's look at all again. It's just about simple steps. Once people once people see it, it's like people do often write to me or come to me and say, look, you know, I'm you know I haven't cut it out. I still enjoy the odd treat, but I'm just so much more careful. And in particular, they've cut out the sugary drinks, and really, they're they're the low hanging fruit of this whole topic. There there is irrefutable doubt that these drinks are the ones that cause the problem because they just flood the liver so quickly with that sugar. That includes the sports drinks and the juices and the sodas and the vitamin waters, all those kind of things. Once sugar is in that liquid form, it really we're not able to metabolize it in the right way. So they're the first step for people. I think they just kind of cut out those kind of drinks. It's just a great way to start. Oh, that is a great way to start. That's great advice. Um, where can people, first of all, see the film, buy the film, and get more information? So it's uh, it's currently on iTunes in America, and it's also in about to be on DVD. Uh, there's also a book, That Sugar Book, which is now in most good bookshops, and also it's online. And then we've got our website too. We're actually just about to, there's a website at the moment, but the new one launches this week, and we've got just a ton of recipes. There's a free ebook for people to download, so they can at least get started and um, you know see some advice and some recipes as well. And there's lots of information about our school kits and packs that we're adapting to the American curriculum at the moment, and just lots of other information. There's a Facebook page, That Sugar Film, um, Twitter, all the usual sort of social media channels. So. And we've, you know, really developed a fantastic community. People will see when they come on the Facebook page that anything we post, you know, people just really are very generous with their comments comments, and they share their own experiences about what's worked for them and what hasn't. And, you know, it's just forming a nice community um, where people can share and interact. Oh, great. So um, what's the new URL for the website? It's just www.thatsugarfilm.com. Okay, so www.thatsugarfilm.com. Easy. Yeah. And, and, and I think you named it perfectly because uh, if people forget the names <laughs> of stuff, but you know, that sugar film. <laughs> it's perfect. I know. It's, it's, yeah, I kind of like the idea of people sort of having these awkward conversations where they say, oh, have you seen that sugar film? And they go, yeah. oh, which one? They go, no, that sugar film. No, what? Yeah. It's just I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then last words of wisdom as far as managing like withdrawal or, or detoxification. I'd yeah, love it's to a great perspective. Question. Well, look, there was, um, which is just shows how fast the times are moving, that there was the first kind of study of its kind done only two weeks ago where um, a university took a group of people, they removed sugar from their diet, the added sugar, not natural sugars, but added sugars, and kind of um, monitored their progress over two weeks. And they found that about 53% of them after three days said their cravings had disappeared and they felt okay. But 86% of people said that after six days, they, they felt a lot better. 
and they then gave them um, a, a, like a soda to try after two weeks and all of them reported that it was too strong, too sweet and overbearing and they wouldn't be going back to sugar again. So I think it's really important for people to understand that you do push through it, it does work and also the best thing is that your palate does adjust. At the moment, most people have had sugar every single day of their lives since they're children. It is a flavour and a taste that they are so accustomed to mm-hmm. that they've actually never experienced what it might be like to not have it. So. You know, the first few days, things can taste very bland and simple because they're not sweet. But then your palate kind of kicks in again and you start to notice the subtle flavors and sweetness of vegetables and fruits, which for me was a complete shock because I drank two coats a day my whole life to now sort of find a banana almost too sweet or to taste the sweetness of a, of a, you know, a capsicum or a pepper. It's kind of a bit mind blowing, but it does happen. And, you know, there are people that are more vulnerable and sensitive than others. So it might take some people a bit longer than others and some people will get withdrawals and they'll get a bit headachy and might not be able to sleep that well and that kind of shows you how strong this substance is and do we really want something that strong controlling you it's just it's a no-brainer so um, the great thing is that I spent some time with uh, the Oregon Research Centre a man named Eric Stice who's done a lot of work on food addiction and he said that some fats can activate very similar reward centres in the brain that sugar does but just not quite as strong so we often recommend when people are trying to sort of cut back on their sugar to have some healthy fat, like have a bit of coconut husk or coconut milk or have some avocado because it also gives you that feeling of sort of a, a reward in the brain without the, the strength mm. of the sugar. And then another great trick, which actually a nutritionist in America told me, is that you can also use reverse psychology. So if you keep having very strong cravings, when you have a craving, go and have something really disgusting like some apple cider vinegar and your brain kind of says, well, if, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to have a craving and you're going to give me that crap, I'm not going to have a craving. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that's a really great technique and some people said that's really worked for them is that it kind of it tricks huh. the brain to go, no, nah, I'm not going to have a craving if you're going to give me that. Oh, that's <laughs> fascinating. I have never <laughs> thought of that. Oh, I'm going to have to I see know. if this helps some of my patients. It's a great suggestion to try. Oh, my God. Yeah, give it a go. It's something they really don't like. Um, yeah, and that worked for me as well, the apple cider vinegar. Whoa. It's a tough one to stomach, and uh, it certainly beats the cravings. Oh, fantastic. Well, I really enjoyed our interview today, Damon. I really appreciate you uh, for, uh, first of all, of course, this awesome filmmaking, entertaining. I'm always looking for great resources for my patients and, you know, my students around the world that, that they can learn. And not not everybody's going to be a bookworm like me. So to have right. a documentary that's, you know, entertaining, funny, with really great information and a positive message is fantastic. So congratulations again, and thank you so much. Well, thank you, Karen. Thanks for the support. And look, it means a lot to us too to have sort of uh, people sharing the message because then it gets out there faster and people can share it with their friends and sit down with their kids in a lounge room and watch it and, and really make changes as a whole family together. And that's the best way to do it. Exactly, exactly. Again, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening in. Remember to go to www.thatsugarfilm.com. And well, bye for now and take care. <laughs> 